the whole purpose of this series, the whole purpose of this series is, is about us uh, positioning ourselves and aligning ourselves uh, and posturing ourselves in a place where, where we can receive the blessing of God, where we can receive the provision of God. Because again, let me ask you a question. How many of you want God's blessing? Right? I, I want God's blessing. I want his blessing over everything else. I want his blessing. And, and, and so this whole series is about us uh, positioning ourselves uh, for God's blessing. And so uh, week one, we talked, about, we talked about the heart and how, how the fact that giving is a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. Week two, we talked about the tests and how every paycheck that we receive, we take this test, how tithing is a test. And then in last week's message, we talked about the principle of the first the first, the first of your increase, the first of what you give is you giving gratitude to the Lord. It is you worshiping the Lord, it is you being thankful to the Lord for what he has done for you. And so if you've missed any of those Sundays, missed any of those messages, you can go online and listen to those or on the podcast uh, to catch up with all that's been going on here with The Blessed Life. Now, uh, today, I, I want to talk about something, but before I do, I, I'm reminded of a, of a movie, uh, and I don't remember all about this movie, so I'm not recommending this movie in, in any way, because I don't know everything that's in it, but there's one particular scene uh, of this movie. It's, it was called The End, I believe. It came out in the 70s or something like that, and so uh, in this movie called The End, the, the main actor in this movie the main character in this movie, uh, came down, came into some really hard times in his life. And so he decided that he was just going to end his life. He just wanted to take his life. He was through with living. And so he was just going to take his own life. And so he was going to do that by going to an ocean and, and, and going to, and, and swimming out as far deep into the water as he possibly could. And once he got tired, once he got exhausted, he was just going to allow himself to sink into the water and just die and drown. Well, he does this. He, he swims out deep into the ocean, and he, he gets exhausted and tired to where he can swim no more, and he just allows himself to sink into the water. And as he's sinking into the water, uh, uh, possibly about to drown and die, an awakening happens in him, and he starts to panic, and he starts to swim back up to the top of the surface of the water. And, and, and in this scene of this movie, he, he bursts out of the water and says, I want to live. But he's exhausted, and he's tired, and he's far out into the water, and, and he notices the shoreline is, 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 is far away, and so now he realizes, I've got to swim back if I want to survive. And so this character, this, this character in this movie begins to have a conversation with God, and he says, okay, God, if you can get me and help me get to the shoreline, I'll obey all the Ten Commandments. But then he realized he didn't know the Ten Commandments. So he was like, okay, God, okay, God, if you can help me survive, if you can help me swim back to the shoreline, I'll give you 80% of everything that I own, all my possessions, 80%. And so he begins to swim. And so he's swimming, and he's moving through the water, making his way to the shoreline. And he's about halfway there, and he sees that he's halfway to the shoreline. And so he, now he begins to talk with God again. He says, okay, God, if you can just help me make it 
to that shoreline. I'll give you 10% of everything that I own. And so he continues swimming to the shoreline. Well, now the shoreline is getting closer and closer and closer, and he realizes now he has a chance. He's going to make it. He's going to survive. And so he, now he talks with God again. He goes, okay, God, forget everything I just said. I can make the rest of this journey on my own. And he does. And I remember this scene in this movie, and I relate it to us in giving at times, because I think that for some people, that's how we view giving to God. We view giving to God as us paying dues to God. Like paying dues. When you pay dues to something, you're paying for a service of some sort. But when you give to God, that is not about you paying for a service. Because, see, when you're paying dues, there's no joy in paying dues. God, let me just give a little here in our alms box because, you know what, I, 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 I really need that new job opportunity. God, let me just put a little in the basket because, God, I, I, I really need that raise or, God, I, I really uh, need whatever. I need that new car or I need something, uh, God, so you'll be happy or pleased with me, so you'll bless me. Let me just give something just to be in right standing with you. Let me pay my dues. Well, as I said, there, there's no joy in paying dues. But today I want to talk on the subject of the joy of giving. That giving should be a joyful thing. And, 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 and let me remind you something that Jesus himself says in John 10, 10. He says, man, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly or life to the full. Jesus is saying, I, I've come to give you an abundant life. And it's in that abundance that there is joy. And then to tie it all together, God institute, he institutes the, the, the act of giving, the ordinance of giving. And so our, our hope this morning is that we can tie giving and joy together. And so that when we do give, we are joyful. When we do give, we are cheerful. But here's the thing. I don't feel that I have to convince you that there is joy in giving. I don't feel that I have to convince you of that. Here's how I know. Because in about four and a half weeks, you're going to be gathered with some friends, some family around a Christmas tree. And you're going to be exchanging gifts. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it, it, it's, it's, it's fun to receive gifts. I like receiving gifts. But you know, as well as anybody, especially parents with their kids, when you, when you, when you buy your child a gift or a present or, or a friend that present, you, you, you like receiving gifts, but there's something about watching them open the present that you bought for them. And, and, and you're, you're, you're watching their facial expressions. You're, you're, you're wanting to see, man, what kind of joy am I bringing them? And it does something on the inside of you. Has anybody here ever, ever uh, uh, given a gift to somebody and you didn't quite get the reaction that you hoped that you would? I, I remember, I, I don't even, it was probably now about six years ago, maybe, I, if I remember correctly, about six years ago, we, we decided we're going to take uh, our girls to Disney World, right? And so uh, we, we, 
we kept it a secret for, for a long time, and we didn't tell them anything. We, we saw the commercials were like in the, in the YouTube videos when they tell their kids that they're going to go to Disney World, and they get all excited, and they're, and they're on their way to the airport, and they don't know where they're going. And, and so we thought, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to get them up super early in the morning. They're going to pack their bags. They don't know where they're going. And, and we're going to go, uh, we're going to be at the airport. And it's at the airport. We're going to tell them that we're going to Disney World. Even had t-shirts made for them and everything. And so we're at the airport and they're like, Dad, where are we going? What are we doing? I said, baby, we're going to Disney World. They were like, oh, okay, that'll be fun. And I was like, wait a second, that's, that's not the reaction that I wanted. You're supposed to be jumping up and down, you're supposed to be laughing. And now they were excited about it, don't get me wrong, but they just expressed it differently. They didn't express it the way that I wanted to, but I was so just into watching their reaction of this thing, right? Because there's joy in giving. And in about four and a half weeks, you're going to exchange a gift to somebody. You're going to give a gift to somebody, and you're going to wait for their reaction. Why? Because you know there's a certain joy and satisfaction in giving. So I don't have to convince you. I don't even have to convince people who don't go to church that there's joy in giving. You know there's joy in giving. But what I do want to do this morning is tell you why there's joy in giving. The fact that there's joy in giving is actually far more spiritual than some people may think. And so I hope you're taking notes this morning. And I want to share with you why there is joy in giving. The Apostle Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to, right? Jesus himself said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed. There's more joy in that. There's more satisfaction in giving. And so today I want to talk about why is there such joy in giving. And so if you're taking notes, write this down, number one. The reason why there is such joy in giving is this, number one, because giving makes me more like God. Giving makes me more like God. I don't know if you knew this or not, but God is the ultimate giver. You cannot outgive God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave Jesus. He gave his best. As, as Robert said last week, God, he, he, he gave his tithe. He gave his best. The only thing is, Jesus wasn't 10%. Jesus was 100%. He, he, he gave his best to us. So we can't outgive God. And so when we give, it, it, it gives us this some sort of relation to God that we don't have doing anything else. So when we give to somebody, it makes us more like God. There's more of a relational thing that happens in that moment between you and God. That's why there's such a satisfaction when you give to somebody. That's why there's such a satisfaction that happens on the inside of you when you're generous to someone. Why? Because in that moment, you've related to God. In that moment, you, you, you became more and more like your daddy. More and more like dad. I remember as a kid growing up, when they would t- say things to me as a kid, they'd say things, man, you act just like your dad. You act just like your dad. And as a kid, you're like, ah, I don't want to act like my dad. He's old. 
Oh, he's here. I forgot. He is here. So, so as a kid, you're not trying to do that. I'm not trying to be like that. No, no, no. I don't want people to say that. No, it's, that's not cool, right? But here's what I've discovered. Now being a father, there's certain things that I do and certain interactions that I have with my girls. They'll say things like, man, you act just like grandpa. That's something grandpa would say. You act just like grandpa. And now I don't feel like I did as a kid. I feel like, man, you know what? That's pretty cool. And I don't even realize it. As, 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 as corny as some of the things I may say that sound like my dad, there, there's, there's, there's a satisfaction in that that I've re- related to my dad in that moment, right? And unintentionally. Well, it's the same when we give. When we give, there's a moment we're relating to our dad. There's a, there's a moment of satisfaction and joy that we feel in that moment. Why? Because we become more and more like God. Jesus, again, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I've, I've, I'm giving you abundant life. And so you want to be more Christ-like? Start giving more. You want to be more like God? Start being generous. And you'll start to see the satisfaction in giving. But see, here's the big question. Jesus gives us these two parallels of people in John 10, 10. There's the thief, and there's what he does. He's, he's, he's a, he steals, he kills, he destroys. He's destructive. And he said, but I came to give you abundant life. And so my question to you this morning is, at the end of the day, who would you rather relate to? Because, see, when you give, you're more like God, but when you're greedy and selfish, you're more like the devil, because that's his MO. That's the devil's goal. That's, 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 what, that's his ambition. His ambition is to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, unfortunately, there are some of us who, who far relate better to the devil than we do to God. And I would rather far relate to God, my Father. And I do so by being more generous, who would you rather relate to? Giving makes me more like God. Makes me relational to him. The second reason why there's joy in giving is because giving strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. You want to be people of faith? You want to be a giant of the faith? Give more. Be generous. Don't withhold. Strengthen your faith. Has anybody here ever believed God for something and he came through for you? Bless you. Anybody? Has anybody in here other than me ever believed God for something and he came through for you? Anybody, right? He came through for you. You really believe in God for whatever it was and and miraculously he, he supernaturally came through for you and he just blew your mind? Let me ask you something. Wasn't it far better that it happened that way than you trying to do it yourself? That's God. That's God saying, God, God is saying, I, I, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I want you to believe that my promises are true. 
I want you to believe that the word of God, that the, the, the Bible, the scriptures, the promises and scriptures, I want you to believe that those are true. And so when you give, I, I want it to be in faith. When you give, I want it to strengthen your faith. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, in Scripture, there are more promises related to giving than any other subject. There's more promises related to giving. That's just the nature of our God. That's just the nature of who he is. So my question is, are you going to take God at his word? See, it's amazing that, that this morning, uh, Pastor Chris uh, said, how many of you here had an encounter with the Lord, right? And, and for the most part, I didn't see, look around, but I would just kind of imagine him on my, probably everybody in the room for the most part was like, yeah, I've had an encounter with Jesus. How do you know that? Why? Because I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm not who I used to be. But it's amazing that we believe God in that supernatural sense, that he can save me. That my eternity, eternity is secure in him. That's a supernatural step of faith. That's a supernatural belief that, that God can come through and change your life. But it's funny how we can believe God for that. But then when, when God speaks about his word, in regards to finance, in regards to money, in regards to generosity, eh, we don't quite, I don't really like that too much. God, I, I like this. I like the salvation part. I like your blessing. I really like all that. But when God institutes or gives an ordinance of giving, and that giving and generosity should be a way of life for the believer, we, we kind of fall back on that and say, I, I don't know about all that. I don't know. I trust you with my life in regards to salvation, but I don't really trust you with my finances. And the unfortunate thing is there are many who lean on that side. We say, well, no, Chris, I trust God with everything about my life. Are you generous? Are you a giver? Do you tithe? Giving strengthens your faith. Not just believing God for salvation, though that's the most important thing you could ever have in your life. You're saying, God, I'm not just believing you there. I'm believing you with everything. I trust you in my finances. I trust you with my money. As Robert said last week, there's a reason why it's the first and not just whatever's left over. Because if you give to God whatever's just left over, that's not faith. But if you give to God of your first, here's my tithe, or for number's sake, my tenth. I'm giving you the first, I'm giving you the first of my tenth, and I'm believing, God, that you're going to bless that, that remaining 90%. And as we've been saying throughout the course of this series, I'd far rather live on the blessing of God in my 90% than 100% without his blessing at all. Are you going to trust God? That's the question. Not just trust him with your salvation, but are you going to trust him with everything? 
See, and I know this, what this series has done for some of you. It has really stretched you and challenged you to the point some of you don't even like this series. It, it, it is what it is. Some of you can't stand this series. Why? Because we're touching things that are precious to you. I don't want to go there because, because they're just going to make me feel guilty. That's not guilt. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's that tug of war happening in your heart right now where you're saying, God, I give you this, but I don't want to give you everything. Why would you even do this series in November? Don't you know Christmas is coming? And that is exactly why I did it. It's exactly why I chose this particular time to do this particular series. Because we understand that there's joy in giving. We know that. But giving strengthens my faith. Malachi 3.10, God himself says, test me in this. He's given us an invitation to test him. In giving, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you still believe God stands on his own word? Because if you read the beginning of the chapter, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. I don't change. And so he says, test me in this. My question to some of you this morning is, have you tested them yet? I'm really curious, and I, I don't, I'm not going to ask this for somebody to raise your hand, but I'm just curious, maybe who here for the first time says, you know what, I've never really understood or heard about tithing or giving before. You know what, I, this series has caused me and, and prompted me to test them in this. And maybe there are some of you this morning that are starting to tithe for the very first time. I praise God for you. Because you stepped out in faith. Some of you just haven't been giving tithe because maybe you just didn't know about all this stuff. But then there are those of you who just had, who don't tithe and you know all this and you just say, eh, that's just not for me. But if you are stepping out in faith for the first time and you're tithing for the first time, praise God for you. He says to test him. Test him and take him and trust him at his word. Giving strengthens my faith. Number three, write this down. Number three, the third reason why there's joy in giving is because giving is an investment for eternity. Giving is an investment for eternity. My wife and I have been giving in this church now for probably roughly about 17, 18 years now. 17 or 18 years. And I love giving in this house because I've always believed in the vision of this house. I've always believed it. Wording and vision has changed over the years through time and time again, but, but the vision has always remained the same. I, I've, it's been a vision that, I, that, I, that I'm inspired by. It's been a vision that I believe in. 
And I believe that when we give, we are investing in eternity. There are people here this morning, and you know what it is. There are people here this morning that have gotten saved or born again, however you want to call it, because somebody invested in your eternity. You were sitting in a church one day, maybe like this, and a preacher presented the gospel to you. And you raised your hand, maybe you stood up, you came to an altar, maybe similar like this. And you made Jesus Lord of your life. You know, somebody invested in your eternity in that moment. People who gave in that service, people who give consistently in that service, faithfully in that service, were investing in your eternity. You're here because somebody invested in you. Maybe it was a television program. There are people here that got saved to watching Billy Graham crusades on TV. You know, people gave and invested in those programs which means they invested in your eternity. And so when you give, when we pass the bucket, when we do this portion of service, this is an investment for eternity right now at this moment. Right now at this very moment, as I'm speaking on this microphone, there is ministry going on all over this building. Your babies are being prayed over and spoken into and encouraged this morning. Your children are being poured into and prayed over and spoken into this morning. Right now, at this moment, there is an investment going on in your child's eternity. Every week, students are being poured into. They're being shared the gospel. They're being shared the word of God. And every week, there is an investment in your student's eternity. Every Sunday, we gather in this moment, in this place. This is an investment in your eternity. And so my question to you is, do you have or believe in a vision that inspires you? Going into 2020, we've revised our vision here at Arise Church. If you came to our last foundations class, I, I shared it in that class, and we're having another class coming in, in January, but... But I want to share with you our vision for Arise Church, moving into 2020. And as I share this vision with you, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in that vision? And are you willing to invest in the eternity of that vision? Our vision here at Arise Church is this. We exist to impact families, restore generations, and transform communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. We exist to impact families. Right now, families are being impacted. Sons and daughters, mothers, fathers, grandparents are all being impacted in this very moment. We exist to impact families. What? With the gospel of Jesus. Restoring generations. We believe that for, for in many instances, especially within the church, there's a, there's the bridge has been broken between generations. The older to the new generation, there's this, there's this gap, there's this, this chasm in between these generations. Well, we want to mend those bridges. Where we say the older generation says, man, I'm not done. I've still got work to do. There is a younger generation that is coming up behind me that I need to take the time in and pour into with the gospel of Jesus. And we want to transform communities. Every week, 
on Tuesday and Wednesday between 9 and noon. We have a ministry across the street called the Bethlehem House. And just in November alone, I read the report this week, and it came around, there was well over 100-something families that got served groceries this, this, this month. 100-plus families within our community received groceries this, this month. 100-plus families. 100-plus families. That's, that's taking into consideration mother, father, son, daughter, kids, all of that. 100-plus families. We want to transform communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's vision. And my hope is that that would be a vision that inspires you. And if the vision of this house doesn't inspire you, find a church whose vision inspires you and give towards that vision. No other way to put it. But if the vision of this house inspires you and you say, yeah, I believe that we should impact families. Yes, I believe that we should restore generations. Yes, I believe that we should transform communities with the gospel of Jesus. I believe in that, that when you give, you are investing in eternity. And somebody invested in your eternity at one point in your life. Thank God for that person that gave to that church. Thank God for that person that gave towards that ministry on TV. Thank God for that person that gave and invested in my eternity. I would not be here this morning had somebody not invested in my eternity. So when you give, you are investing in eternity. Number four, not only is giving an investment for eternity, which brings joy in giving, but number four is this, giving blesses me in return. Giving blesses me in return. We can't forget and negate the promises of Scripture. I said in week one, we don't, we don't give to receive. We don't give to receive. We give just to give. We give because we're grateful. But we can't negate the promises of God because the promises of God have, have promises tied to giving. There is, a, there is, a, there is a, a, a reactionary thing that happens when we give. There is blessing and provision that God provides when we give. It blesses me in return. God gives instruction. Then comes the promise of blessing. If we continue reading in verse 11 of Malachi 3. He says, I will pre prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. There's some people that don't know what to do with that. We can't, Chris, we can't apply that, that scripture to giving because that, that's Old Testament. Man, has God changed? That's right. I wish everybody had that reaction. Right? Because it's silly. People think God has changed. People think that God doesn't bless. People think that God doesn't provide anymore. 
But I'm here to attest to you this morning, as many people in this place today, God does provide. God does bless. God does meet our needs. Amen? Giving blesses me in return. There's joy in giving. There's joy in giving. There's a satisfaction when it comes to giving. Proverbs 11.25, it says this. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let me read that again. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Something happens on the inside of you when you are a giver. Something happens on the inside of you when you are generous. I can't ignore what the Word of God says. And I'll be honest, there were seasons in my life where I I was really uncomfortable talking about money within the church. Because I'm like, man, God, I don't want people to think that we're all about money. I don't want people to think that we're just after their pocketbook. I don't want people to to, to feel like we're just one of those churches that that just just tries to bleed people out of their money. And so because of that, I just didn't talk about it. Because of that, I just shied away from it and said, nah, I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to be about that. And then it was some years ago when this idea, this reality, this truth of the blessed life kind of fell into my lap. And I realized that if we don't talk about this, there are people who are missing out Hear me. There are people who are missing out on how to position themselves to be in God's blessing. There are people who will continue, who will continue to live life in poverty, spiritually, financially. They'll continue going through the cycle, and this time next year they'll be in the same place they were in last year. But until we talk about it, until we share what the scriptures say, until we, uh, until we declare the promises of God when it comes to giving and generosity, then I feel that I'm held accountable as a pastor, as a leader here, for not sharing those truths with the congregation. Because I want you to be blessed. I want you to walk in God's provision. I want you to walk in the reality that God can meet your needs. Remember, this is not about you saying, well, if I give, I'm going to get the bigger house. If I give, I'm going to get the nicer car. That's not what this is. This is about God's provision. This is about his promises. He is good. But my hope is that we come to that realization and understanding as a church as to why there is joy in giving. Why do you feel a certain way when you give to somebody? Why do you feel a certain satisfaction when you're generous? Because you're becoming more and more like God. You're relating more and more to your father. 
And I don't know about you, but I so want to relate to God. I so want to be more like him in every area of my life. I want to be Christ-like. What better way to be Christ-like than to be generous and to be a giver? As I said in week one, giving ultimately is a heart issue, and I'm going to close with this. It's a heart issue. It's really about an attitude of the heart. Before you start putting an amount on anything, before you start doing any of that, just really check your heart in this and ask yourselves these three questions when you're giving. These three questions. Say, God, am I giving willingly? Am I giving willingly? 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to the one who has, not according to what one does not have. So the, if the willingness is there, am I giving willingly? When the bucket comes by, when, when whoever shares on tithe and offering, it's what I'm about to give. Am I doing this willingly? It's an attitude of the heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. That right there really is saying is this, is that before you even step foot into this building, the Holy Spirit should already prompted you of what to give. To be quite honest, and there are churches that do this, but there are some churches that don't even have a portion of service where they do tithe and offering. Why? Because they trust and believe that God is speaking to the hearts of the people. They said, we, we, we already know what we're giving. Before you, we even step foot into the sanctuary, God had already, we had already given already. God had already prompted us to give what we needed to give. In the scripture say it, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give reluctantly. Don't feel manipulated to give. And let me just tell you something. If you are in this series and sitting in this series and you feel like I've been or any way been manipulating you to give, please come talk to me because that's not my intention. I'm just reading the text. I'm just letting the word of God speak for itself. But if you feel reluctant to give, you feel uh, like you're pressured to give, just hold on. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A hilarious giver. People who love to give. If you feel pressure to give, if you're feeling manipulated to give, don't do it. Why? Because it's more about the attitude than it is the amount. It's more about the attitude than it is the amount. Am I giving willingly? Am I giving thankfully? Am I giving out of gratitude? Am I giving thankfully? Psalm 116, 12 says, What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Basically what he's saying is, how can I repay God? Here's the answer. You can't. You cannot repay God. You can't repay him. 
See, when we worship, worship is a reminder to us of how good God has been to us. That's what worship is. When we worship, we are being reminded of his goodness. But when we give, we are telling him, thank you for your goodness. When we give, we are giving, thankfully, we are giving out of gratitude. We're giving because we understand and know how good God has truly been to us. Are you giving, thankfully? And the last question we need to ask ourselves when it comes to giving is, am I giving in faith? Am I giving in faith? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's a, it's a farming principle. See, Christian farmers don't just pray for the harvest. They don't just buy the land and say, God, okay, I'm praying and believing we're going to have a great harvest. No, they don't just pray for the harvest. They sow seed. They got to work the ground. They got to sow seed in the ground. And it's in the sowing of the seed that they trust that God is going to give them the harvest that they planted seed for. It's sowing and reaping. And so when we give, when I give, I don't give to receive, but I give in faith knowing God. I'm giving knowing you've got me. You've got me. Yeah, we've come under some financial hard times recently, but you know what? I'm still going to give knowing that you are going to provide for me and you're going to meet my needs. Are you giving in faith? When I give by text over my phone, when I hit that send button, I'm giving in faith. I'm giving, thankfully, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'm so undeserving, but yet you still bless me. You still meet my need. I have a family here, everything. God, thank you. And I give willingly. I give willingly. My heart is checked in that. 